Welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast, episode number 191. This show is sponsored by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your first purchase. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and today I am joined by Sandy Duro and Larissa Gobetz. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey. Well, we got a bunch of questions from our listeners this week, starting with one from Jonathan Betancourt, who says he wants to be a brand ambassador uh, or a sponsored photographer from one of the companies. He's thinking about Fuji uh, since he shoots an X-T1. Um, and he's just wondering if anybody has any advice for getting sponsored uh, by some of um, the camera companies. Uh, this is one that I can definitely talk about. Um, sponsorships in the photography realm are a very interesting thing. The camera companies are just so incredibly oblivious to the photography uh, realm, to, to the industry. Uh, it's rare that I hear anything from camera manufacturers. I mean, we have a million people in the improved photography community on social media and millions more that come to the website. And we almost never hear anything from the camera manufacturers. We hear things from, you know, Tamron and Sigma and, and some of the third-party lens manufacturers. Uh, but if we write anything about a drone, immediately we get an email from, from DJI. If we write anything <laughs> about a tripod, immediately we're going to hear from the company. Uh, you know, other companies, like, actually have PR teams that are, like, actually working with the industry and trying to... Uh, uh, to work with people, I've just been amazed at how separate the camera manufacturing uh, matcher, manufacturer uh, PR and marketing departments are from uh, from the actual industry. It's rare that I hear anything from them. I say that because it's really, really, really hard uh, to get a sponsorship like this. And a lot of my friends who uh, are well-known in, in photography and have decided to go the sponsorship route, uh, all of them t tell me, sometimes I've asked them, like, is this something I should pursue? And every time they tell me the same thing. If you can make money in photography any way other than sponsorships, do it. <laughs> um, because when some when somebody is, is uh, paying you to be a sponsor for the company, a lot of times they feel like they own just about everything you do. Um, and so it, it really is a lot more demanding than it sounds like you just get, you know, just paid just to be yourself and, and, you know, go be this awesome photographer. It rarely works out that way. And so, uh, I think if you really want to go this route, you should be looking for uh, a camera bag, a tripod manufacturer, uh, maybe like Sigma or Tamron, uh, some other product in photography and not go for the camera manufacturers. They just, uh, don't put a lot of effort into contacting the photography community as, stra as strange as it is. Have you, do either of you guys have any experience with this? No, it makes a lot yeah. of sense. And I was just going to say the only people that I could think of that were sponsored by cameras were like Lindsay Adler mm -hmm. and Sue Bryce, you know, at WPPI. They have huge followers. Rick Salmon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're all, but, they're Canon Explorers of Light, and they have huge followings. Right. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. I, I mean, they're great photographers. I, I don't mean... I'm not trying to say anything other than that. They're amazing photographers, but they have huge followings, and that's what the camera manufacturers are interested in. 
the following that you have, not the amazing photos that you can make. That's just part of it. There are a lot of people that can make great photos. All right. The yes. next the next question comes from Jeremiah Johnston, um, who says, uh, I give a real estate agent a free session as a promotion to gain their future business. Can the revenue I would have normally charged be written off for tax purposes? Interesting question. Um, as far as I know, that would definitely be a no. Um, as but I am not a, a, a CPA. Uh, this is you know, a question that definitely needs to go to an accountant. But as far as I know, this is what sounding if, like a no. What if you do something for charity? No. So I've heard conflicting things on that too. And I've asked my CPA and granted you'll, it's probably state by state and you would have to talk to your professional, whoever you do your taxes with. But mine told me that charity or anything that you're not getting paid for, you, you can't, cause you, how much could you say that that session was worth? You know, you could say it was worth a thousand dollars. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think this is going to fly, but there may be something he can do. I don't know. Let's hear from our CPAs on this one. If you go to the, show notes for this episode go to the improved photography website click on uh, show notes and uh, go to episode 191 and i'd love to hear anything from uh, some accountants out there but uh, this one is uh, i that, that that can't be right that can't be right otherwise i would just go to a bunch of charity events and and write off uh, huge amounts for it so I, I that doesn't sound right it sounds. It seems Unless like you should maybe. get something though for charity. You know, like at least mileage or something. A, but a warm feeling in your heart. Yeah, mileage I think would be fine. You know, if you drive to the event, yeah, you're doing it. You're advertising your business. That's. I don't see that as a problem at all. Or any hard costs you have. You know, if you're printing photos, things like that. Sure, I I think that could be written off just fine. But just like writing off your services that you're doing for charity, I don't think so. We'll see though. All right. Uh, Anonymous uh, wanted some feedback. Uh, he's looking at a 7200 f2.8 lens uh, for his Nikon D810, and he's wondering if he should go with the Nikon or choose the Tamron or Sigma. What do you guys think? I have I have I'd the go Tamron. for the Nikon. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Tamron, and I loved it, but lately it's been having focus issues. So it's it is one of those things that I think I I would rather if you can save up a little bit, I go with the Nikon. Yeah, unless it's like one of the Sigma art lenses or something. I know when I first started shooting, I think I was shooting with a Tamron and the focus would just hunt so much. Um, and then when I switched to the Nikon, it was so much better. So that's where that's I'm at. My personal opinion. I I might go a little. I see. I own the, the Nikon 7200 for a long time when I was shooting Nikon. It is a great, great, great lens. And, you know, if you have the budget, it's the best you can get. Uh, but I was very happy with the Tamron 7200. I mean, it's a, just over a thousand bucks. You can find them used under a thousand bucks. I mean, you're going to save a thousand dollars on this lens. <laughs> so if you have all the rest of your lens lineup like nailed down, you know, you got a great wide angle, you got a great, you know, medium portrait lens, and this is the last lens you're buying, then yeah, maybe so. But boy, you could get a used Tamron 7200 that's. 95% as good as the Nikon for over a thousand dollars less. I think I'd save the money. <laughs> I, think I, 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 like I was it. tired of the hunting. Yeah. I like it for my product photography, but if I were going to be using it at a wedding or something, then it might be a little iffy. All right. Well, there you have it. Anonymous. 
We don't know. <laughs> it's a tough decision. <laughs> it's a tough call. Uh, you save so much money, but you know you're giving up a little something. All right, Mark Connor says uh, he has a question about shooting portraits for couples. Um, basically, he wants to take a, a portrait of the couple while they're, um, you know, kind of interacting with each other. The guy's whispering in the girl's ear and they're moving around a little bit, laughing, whatever, um, interacting. But he wants to use shallow depth of field. So his question is, should he use something like AI servo or continuous focus uh, in that situation? Or should he just use single shot focus, um, even though because they're just going to be moving around a little bit? What would you guys say on this one? Try it. Try. It. I, I, I like using AI servo mode, but also doesn't don't you run the risk of having that interfere? It's, it's not going to be as tech sharp because it's constantly refocusing, refocusing. Yeah. I, AI servo, in my experience, is not as good, um, not as accurate as as the single shot focus um, on several different camera systems that I've tested. So I stay away from it. I know there's some people who shoot in it almost all the time, just shoot in continuous. And I have not had the greatest results doing it that way. Um, for this, well, to be honest, I guess I would probably just leave it in single shot and just focus uh, as they move. But I, I don't know. That's probably just because I would be too lazy to just to switch it into continuous uh, just when they're going to be interacting a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think there's a clear winner on this. I think you could really shoot it either way. If you're shooting it single shot, you just need to make sure you're going to focus and shoot right away and not hold it. Um, and if you're shooting AI folk or AI servo, then eh, you might get one that's a tiny bit off. AI servo is probably a better answer for this, but I, I don't think there's a clear answer one or the other. Mark Connor, or sorry, Jonathan Bettenker says, um, I'm looking to add another camera body to my arsenal of gear as well as a lens. And so he wants to know, should he get the Fuji X-Pro2 or the Fuji X-T2 and how they differ from each other? All right. I love my Fuji cameras. Uh, so the <laughs> Fuji X-Pro2 came out first. It cost 1700 bucks just for the body. The benefit of the Fuji X Pro 2 is you're getting all the features, all the water resistance, and it does excellent with water resistance. I dunked this fully submerged in the Li River in China, and it came out totally unscathed. Worked perfectly the next day when I uh, took it out of my bag. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, has a good frame rate. The sensor is awesome. Great color. Uh, the Wi-Fi actually works on this thing. However... It has no tilty LCD screen. The LCD screen is fixed, and that is a major drawback. It also has um, your hybrid focus. It can work either like a, a rangefinder camera or like a normal EVF. Um, so that's the benefits and drawbacks of the X Pro 2. It's $1,700. Now, for $1,600, bucks less, you can get the Fuji X-T2. Now, the benefit of the X-T2 is the flippy LCD screen. Awesome. Every camera should have this. This is what I'm talking about. The camera manufacturers just do not care about us. Uh, every camera should have a flippy LCD screen. Um, and it has it. So that is really, really good. It also does 4K video. And um, so there are some good things about the Fuji X-T2 that the Fuji X-Pro2 does not have. Um, 
you know, if I were to just, the price is almost equal. We're talking about a hundred bucks. And so for me, I would lean toward the tilty LCD screen of the Fuji X-T2 over the, um, the, the hybrid focus of the X-Pro2, even though that is kind of a cool feature that I didn't think I would use, but it's kind of cool. Uh, so I would probably save 100 bucks and get the flippy LCD screen and get the Fuji X-T2. In terms of image quality, we're talking identical. I have not tested a Fuji X-T2 uh, yet, so I can't say that, but it's the same sensor. It's, you know, they have the basically the same specs. This You're going to get the same image quality. I feel very confident with that. It's just a matter of which features speak to you most. I would go with the Fuji X-T2. I think it's an awesome camera uh, and... It's great. All right. So we got some. We had some great questions coming in from our listeners today. Uh, but Sandy, you wanted to talk a little bit about camera repair. What have you done to your camera? <laughs> I know. I'm actually. I'm really nervous to bring this up because I don't want to hit anybody's hot buttons with uh, brands. And I know that everybody's loyal to their brands. Um, but I just wanted to share my experience and kind of see if you guys have had um, good or bad experience uh, with camera repair before. But um, the main reason I wanted to bring it up was because the first time that I had an issue with my um, Canon, I kind of didn't know what to do. I went to my camera shop and they said, you got to send it into the factory. And then it, it ended up being a really bad experience for me. Um, and then the, the Canon professional services, uh, you pay a hundred dollars and you're supposed to get better service. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way too. So I, I just, it really left a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, and then recently I've switched to Nikon since then. And I, um, I had to send in a lens for repair. So I was thinking the worst was going to happen and it was going to be a bad experience, but I was so impressed by Nikon's repair services. They had my lens for a week from the day, the second that I dropped it off to ship, I got it back. Um, so I, I was blown away. Their customer service was amazing. Um, but I, I'm just curious what your experiences have been with camera repair. And um, since you've had your Fuji, have you had to send it into repair? And if you did need to, you, would you know what to do? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's how, a great topic. How do you know? How do you know? You know? <laughs> I think it's a great topic. Well, I, I I've only had to repair a couple cameras, fortunately. Uh, it tends to be with me that I completely <laughs> destroy them, and so there's no need to send them in for repair. Um, oh. But uh, what I have, the few experiences that I have had are, one, I sent a camera in to Nikon. Nikon says, completely unrepairable, we can't fix it. And I said, well, what's wrong with it? You know, it just, every picture it took was just black. Uh, you know, everything functioned perfectly. It looked good, but every picture was pure black. And I thought I was crazy, like I had messed up some setting on the camera. No, it was just every picture was pure black. Um, so I sent it into Nikon for a pair, and they said that they couldn't fix it. And I said, well, what was wrong? And so uh, they said, ah, I'm not sure. Our notes aren't right here. Send it back into us, and, and we'll see. Okay. So I sent it back to them, and they said, well, we won't fix it because if we can't make your camera perfect like it was the day you bought it we won't repair anything at all and then i said That's so th there was some there were, i can't remember what it was but there was some tangential issue that they didn't want to fix that was fine with me it could have just existed it didn't it didn't impact the images and they said if if we can't fix everything we just won't touch it and then i took it to my local repair shop uh here in boise 
to see what they could do. And they said, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. We can fix it. And it was a $300 fix, and it saved a Nikon D800, which is a really expensive camera, uh, which, you know, I mean, it was one step away from the trash at that point. Um, so oh, wow. uh, I had a really much better experience by taking it to a third-party repair shop than I did um, sending it in to Nikon. So, but you, but you've said in the past that insurance isn't, uh, something that you are very keen on either. Right. Yeah. So, well, the reason that I don't get insurance is people, the only reason that, uh, that an insurance company offers you insurance is because they're going to make money on you statistically. You know, they're going to insure a thousand photographers. They know what the failure rate is and how many people are going to make claims. And they wouldn't offer the insurance if it if they weren't going to make a profit on it. Of course not. It's a business, right? And that's normal. That's what they should do. Um, and so I don't buy insurance on my cameras simply because if the camera dies, you know, I'm running a business. I keep a, a a reserve so that if something happens, I can, I have enough money to go buy a new camera. It's not going to be, Oh shoot, we have to shut down improved photography, you know? Um, so as a business, I just feel like it's better just to keep a reserve and to just, just pay for a new camera when it happens. However, if I were a wedding photographer, I just invested $6,000 in all my gear. And if this were stolen out of my car, I couldn't be a wedding photographer anymore. Yeah, I think you should definitely get insurance because you can transfer that risk to somebody else. So that's kind mm -hmm. of my bar for choosing if you should get get gear insurance or not. It's just, you know, what's it going to do to you if, if your gear dies? Uh, what's going to happen? Now, I did have a conversation with Nick, however, um, and he said, you know, Jim, the other factor that you're failing to consider is you destroy way more cameras than anybody else on this planet. And so maybe it would actually work out in your favor. And that's a fine point. So something that I'm thinking about. I was going to say, I'm so clumsy and it's just, it's so scary to me. And, and the first time I had to send it in to Canon is because I dropped it. Um, but it was, it was just such a bad experience. And it's so disappointing to me that they don't, that, you know, if you look at consumer reports for pretty much all of them and they get terrible reviews for their, their service departments. But my experience with Nikon was, I was very impressed with them. Um, so that made me happy. <laughs> Yeah, so now, great. Sandy, there isn't a local, there isn't a local place by you. I mean, we, mm -hmm. our local place just closed last week. They shut mm -hmm. down after 53 years, but I would think in Vegas, there should be some place that you can bring it to. There is a camera shop and they'll do um, cleaning and basic repairs. Um, but if it's like anything with lenses, they, they, they tell you to send it in. Yeah, some things they have to send to the manufacturer for because the, the manufacturers just simply won't provide them with, with parts. Um, I want to say it was Canon. I, I don't know much about this part of the industry, but I remember a few years ago, I want to say three years ago or so, Canon or Nikon announced that they just wouldn't provide parts anymore uh, to the to the camera repair shops. And so there were some repairs that they just can't do uh, because they don't get those parts anymore. Um, or things with the firmware, you know, they don't have the source code for the camera. And so, you know, if there's something firmware wise, it's got to be do done with the manufacturer. So I, I, I don't it's know. It's so disappointing when you have cameras that are as much as cars, you know, yeah. if your car breaks, you're not going to throw it away. So it, yeah. it's, it, I, it, I wish that there was a better way. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, that's a good point. I wish I, I, I would like to get to know some of the repair shops, you know, the third party places. 
um, you know, that you can mail a camera to, that you, you can do it online, uh, to have a good, solid recommendation for, for everybody to go to. Um, I just I, I just don't know enough about about the industry really to 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 vet them and stuff. But it'd be really nice if we had a good uh, recommendation. Maybe this is something in the show notes too that I'd love to hear everybody's feedback from. If you've gone to any of these third-party repair places that you can mail a camera to, something online, it'd be nice if we had kind of a go-to that everybody in the community could could really trust and know would would handle your your stuff well. That would be amazing. And I've researched it and I couldn't find anything. So whoever knows it, share it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for sharing that with us, Sandy. That was a, that was a good topic. Well, we want to go on and talk a little bit more about running uh, your photography when you're out of the out of the country or out of your your normal area. But before we want we do that, we want to take a second and thank two companies for making the Improved Photography Podcast possible this week. And the first one is Zenfolio. Uh, Zenfolio uh, is a great solution for making your photography website. It's the photography website that Jeff Harmon, the host of the Photo Taco Podcast on the Improved Photography Network, uses. Um, and they do a lot of things really well. The nice thing about Zenfolio is that it's made exclusively for photographers. Uh, you know, it, it's photography website uh, software. That, that's what they're doing for you. And so all of the templates are made for photographers. It has functionality that a lot of other solutions won't have. You know, things like being able to do a client gallery, an easy way to sell your photos uh, integrated with print labs so that they can get them printed and sent right off. You know, proofing, um, all that kind of thing is going to be built right into Zenfolio. So if those are some features that you're going to need for your photography website, Zenfolio really is a really excellent choice um, uh, for your, for your photography gallery. It has been rated number one by photographers for three years in a row. Um, they have 24 seven support via phone, uh, live chat and email. You can password protect your, uh, your work. You can do watermarking and size restrictions and plans start at just $5 a month. Start a free trial today with no credit card required so you can set up your website, see how it's going to look, see if you're going to like Zenfolio and then pull the trigger on it. When you decide to sign up for Zenfolio, be sure to remember to give the offer code IMPROVE to get 30% off your subscription and to show your support for the podcast. That's Zenfolio.com and enter offer code IMPROVE. Zenfolio.com, offer code IMPROVE. And by Squarespace. Squarespace is uh, who has... who has supported my website for a lot of a long time. I have my website. You can go check it out. It's at photographyidaho.com is my Squarespace website. So this is what I use for my photography portfolio. It's not uh, improvephotography.com. This is just, you know, when I want to show off my photos. There are a lot of great things about Squarespace. Um, it's really simple to use. It's inexpensive to get started. Well, it's inexpensive to get started and to continue. Um, and what I really love is they have really gorgeous temples with big, big photos. That's that's important to me. A lot of the the website makers, when they are doing this for photography websites, they'll have small pictures, and it just doesn't show off your work real well. And so um, Squarespace is who has uh, always 
done my my photography portfolio and I've been really happy with it. It's one that I can actually keep up with uh, to to keep updating as I take photos because it's, it's just so simple to do. I don't have to manage um, anything with the site. So you can check that out at squarespace.com and enter offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your purchase. That's squarespace.com and enter offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your first purchase. And we thank them uh, for their support of the podcast. All right, uh, Larissa, you wanted to talk a little bit about running your photography remotely. What do you have for us this week? All right, well, we were on vacation for the past two weeks and... You Where'd know, you go? One of the things dog. <laughs> we went to Santorini in Greece. So All right, it was a great, that's cool. you know. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, but I had some clients contact me via text message and things like that um when I was out there. So when I was out there I had them contact me during through text messages. I was able to post on my blog when I was out there because I had scheduled the post, but then I forgot to push one of the buttons. So I had to go back in and go ahead and schedule the blog. I was able to post to Instagram and all kinds of things when I was out there, which, you know, the world is so big, but nowadays it's so small that you can do almost anything from anywhere. There was Wi-Fi available at the hotel, so I could go in and check email. Um, I could text because T-Mobile has free texting um, when you're outside of the country. So it's just amazing that you know, my business didn't have to suffer because we went on vacation and, you know, I didn't have to come back to a bunch of emails. Now, my regular job, I came back to 700 emails, but my personal business, I had no emails to, you know, check through. And I was even able to add on my Pixify, I was able to go in and add um, the events that I would be shooting when I got back. So hey, I just with everything noticed, being on the internet. I just noticed I was yes. looking at your website to see some some photos from the trip, and it looks like you were on Zenfolio as well. I didn't realize that. Yes, I am. My um my blog is on Zenfolio. Very cool. So and it's I I love the blog part of it. Um it's just a great, you know, go in and type things up and the pictures are there. So that's an awesome part of Zenfolio also. Very cool. So what was it like to photograph Greece? It was it was great. I mean, I had the A6300 with me. Um, the Sony. So I didn't feel like it was focusing as well as I would like for it to have. But when I got back, when I was looking at the pictures on my laptop, they didn't look that great. But when I got back to my big screen, it it was it did a very good job i was very happy yeah i i found the yeah. the focus on the sony a6300 to be really really good i did it side by side with the fuji x pro 2 and uh both me and i did it with zach zach blackwood who i know listens to the podcast as a friend of mine um and i think the the sony a6300 was was just a hair slower, just barely slower um, than the Fuji X Pro 2. But I, I mean, we're talking barely. I thought the the focus on it was was really good, especially for a mirrorless camera. Right, and I mean, when I when I came back home and loaded everything up on my my Mac, um, everything looked great. But on the MacBook Pro, it was like, is that in focus? So that's why I don't edit on my MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or maybe it's just, you know, my age and my vision is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. 
Uh, so, so what were some of the challenges you faced uh, while you were there? Well, I mean, one, I never got up for sunrise. Sorry, I just couldn't do You're it. You're just on vacation. Um, this was wasn't vacation, even a photo vacation. Yeah. <laughs> You're just vacationing. That was a photo vacation. But, you know, it's bright sun all day long. Is just the sun is always out there. So you're, you know, we would walk around starting at like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and walk till, you know, nine o'clock at night. But most of the day is just your, your obvious bright sun, which is the time of day that you're not supposed to shoot in, you know, noon. So that's where the biggest challenge, you know, you know, normally will be. And in Santorini, everything's white. So everything is either overexposed my blinkies were constantly on because everything is white in that bright bright sunlight so very cool but thanks to lightroom i can you know bring it down yeah well this week i am heading out to glacier national park in montana uh to do a meetup with a bunch of readers of improved photography we kept this one super super small uh we've done some some very large meetups and i decided i wanted to just keep this one kind of small um and so it's only going to be 25 people uh it, it's uh it filled up within like i think two hours of when we announced it uh oh six months ago uh so i've been looking forward to this trip for a long time but we're going to glacier national park in montana so i look forward to um meeting and and meeting a lot of you and seeing um some people that have, have been on lots of our other trips uh so i am excited about that um we have been using a, a variety of tools to plan the trip um, and so I, I've been using Google My Maps. Um, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I, I, I want to point it out again because it really is helpful as you're planning a trip. Um, so you, we all know what Google Maps is. Google My Maps is where you can make kind of your custom, uh, your own custom uh, map. So it's, it's just the regular Google Maps and you can get satellite view and everything else. But then you can put your own pins on it and make notes all over the map, etc., and you can share it with other people uh, who are who are going on the trip with you. Um, and so uh, we have kind of our own little map of Glacier National Park. And then we've uh, put pins on it, you know, like a green pin is something awesome. An orange is OK and a red is, is not so good. You know, just kind of stop there if you have some extra time. Um, so if you're ever planning a trip, uh, check out Google My Maps. Uh, the best way to get to it is, to, I, 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 well, I don't even know how you get there. Just just go into Google and type in Google My Maps, and then, and then it comes up to do that one um, to make your custom map. It's been super helpful for, for planning these trips. And then you can kind of visualize where different locations are so that you can plan to hit them kind of in the same times. Because I've never been to Glacier National Park. I don't know anything about it or what locations are good or anything. And so it's a... It's, uh, really nice to uh to be able to do that so i just kind of want to point that out if you're planning any road trips or any uh big photo trips traveling does it enter does it integrate with your regular google map app or on your know. phone or? i don't know if you can send it to your phone that's a great question i have no idea because you know how now it's like google maps will have your home and your work and i uh -huh. wonder if, you, if it just automatically integrates as long as you're logged in good question i don't know that but I've, I've made these for quite a few different trips, and it uh, really, really helps to, to get things planned out. Well, in every episode, we like to leave you with a doodad of the week. My doodad this week is going to be this Cree XML T6 headlight. 
that I got for the trip to Glacier. Uh, whenever you're going out to, to shoot with the improved photography crew, you always, always want to make sure you have a headlight um, because we do not shoot, you know, this, you know, wake up at 10 o'clock, shoot for an hour and go back to bed uh, kind of thing. When we are out shooting, we are going to shoot until it's black and then we're going to go do night photography um, and we, we, we go at it. Um, so it's always nice to have a headlight in your bag. The reason that I picked this one up is most of the headlights that I have found are AAA batteries and I don't carry triple A's with me for photography because my flash takes double A's. Uh, you know, the, uh, the transmitter takes double A's. Everything I do with, with photography is taking double A batteries. And so uh, if my headlamp runs out, I don't have triple A's with me. So this one uh, takes three double A batteries. Um, it also has a focusable lens, which is really, really, really helpful if you are doing light painting. Um, because you can, um, you can focus and get a tiny spot or you can get a, a wide spot if, that you want to paint. So a focusable lens I think is, is excellent. It's not dimmable. I wish it was dimmable. Um, but, uh, just the fact that you can focus it and it takes double A's was good enough to get me on the hook and it wasn't too expensive as $10 or something. You can get the link to this oh, and all the other yeah. doodads at improvephotography.com slash doodads. All right, Sandy, what do you have for us? So I, I should probably take up stock in gaffer's tape because I use it so much and I dropped my flash and my batteries <laughs> won't close anymore. Oh, so no. I, um, I use gaffer's tape and it's fine. I've Classy. been doing that for a couple weeks now. I'm just going <laughs> to tape this sucker shut. That's cool. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, it looks uh, pretty, well, I mean, all of my stuff is well used. But anyway, so I use Mine gaffer's too. tape all the time. So my doodad is gaffer's tape. And I use um, gaffer's tape from Gaffer Power and I buy so much of it, I got a, a promo code for us. So if you go to gafferpower.com and then use promo code IMPHCO-15, I think Holy it's cow. supposed to be... I know. I think it's supposed oh, to be like, like improve foco, <laughs> improve foco. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. Um, you'll get, you get 15% off and free shipping and oh, cool. yeah, everybody, you can use gaffer save for everything. <laughs> That's right. Gaffer, gaffer power. I like this. Very cool. All right, Larissa, how about you? Okay, so mine is, and I've been saying this wrong all the time. I was saying platopod, and it's platypod. Um, I can't, don't know if you can see it, but if you take your ball head and you attach it here, and it comes with little feet also. So when we were in Santorini, instead of whipping out the tripod, I would put this on a ledge um, and put my camera on it, and then I could take pictures with it. Um, instead of using a tripod. So it really came in handy at one of the restaurants because I didn't want to whip out my, my tripod. So I just used that, and it's great. Um, I think they just came out with a newer, bigger one. But this one, and it travels really well, too. It comes in this, this case, and the case even opens up. It's kind of like an educational toy. So um, Palladipod is when you don't want to carry around a tripod, and it goes right. on the ground or on a desk or on a table or on a something. Um, and it's just right. and just it, a tripod for setting it on something because you don't want to carry around a tripod. Right. right. And it actually has little legs that come with it also. Um, little. Hold on. Let me see if I can get little one of them Little stubby legs. Here. Do you? Little stubby well, legs. Well, they're like so that you can put them on rocks. Um, oh. It's like a little screw. And you kind of screw it in here. 
So if you have something then that, uh, that's uneven, you can kind of balance it on there. Oh, okay. So, so I have you can kind of square it up a little bit. I could yeah. think of a couple yeah, times that, that I could have used that. How much was it? Do you remember? Um, no. <laughs> it looks like it's about $35 on Amazon. Nice. Oh, oh there you go. Nice. See, under 100 um, <laughs> But it's great because it travels well, and then you get this little pouch thing, and you can put your ball head in here, and it also attaches to your belt if you want a Velcro thing. So it's really handy. I loved it. Um, I made my husband carry the tripod. But, you know, I carried this. <laughs> like, if you carry this giant tripod, I'll carry the platy pod. <laughs> not a giant tripod, but his bag is empty and mine had, you know, lenses and stuff in it. <laughs> so did you find that you you actually use this a lot? Because I keep seeing this at conferences and I keep thinking like, come on, when would I actually have a situation that I wanted to set the camera on the ground or something to take a picture? Um, I did use it at the restaurant that we were, one of the restaurants we were at. Actually, I used it at several restaurants because, you know, we're on the cliffs and I wanted to take pictures. Um, and that way I didn't have to hold it. And I didn't have a tripod that was in someone else's way that was at a table, you know, next to us. So, uh -huh. so what about I like, use it quite a bit on this trip. What about this compared to yeah. like a gorilla pod? Why would you choose the platy pod over a gorilla pod? Um, because the gorilla pod, I have a gorilla pod and I had it for my D 800 and it just barely held my D 800 and sense. it was one of the more expensive gorilla pods, you know, the, the ones for the weight. And I was always worried about it because the legs are so wobbly. You know, if you tilt the camera a little bit, it didn't always stand up really straight. I do have one here. I just don't use it anymore. Okay. So I think this is more stable. Very cool. Well, uh, before we end, I want to uh, remind everybody to check out the Improve Photography Retreat. Uh, we, Larissa and Sandy and I are all going to be there, plus um, Nick Page and Erica Kay and Josh Corrigan and Dale Rogers and um, Connor Hibbs. We're going to have uh, almost the entire crew over there, plus some of our other non-improved photo friends who are cool and we think you guys uh, will want to uh, learn from. It's going to be March 9 to 11 in Phoenix, Arizona. You can find out all the details at improvephotographyretreat.com. Um, we have 183 days uh, to prepare for the conference. Super excited about it. So I just want to tell you a couple other things about the conference. If you've been kind of eyeing it and wondering um, about how it's going to work, kind of give you an update on, on how it's going. First of all, uh, it's only been for sale for a, a little over a week, and it's already halfway sold out. Um, there are 140 tickets available, and 70 of them have already been uh, snapped up. Um, I, I don't know how long it's going to take uh, for the rest of them to to uh, to be gone, if you have a while, or if they're going to be going in the, the next week like the, the first 70 have. Um, but, uh, you know, you probably have a couple weeks, I think, uh, to, make a, to make a decision. Uh, but... The where it's going to be at the Hyatt Hotel in in Phoenix. Really nice place to stay. Um, it's super expensive to stay at most places in Phoenix in March, um, but we got we discounted a got a really nicely discounted rate. Uh, and if you get a ho hotel there, you can you will also as soon as you purchase, uh, we send you an email and invite you to a, a private Facebook group just for the attendees of the conference. And so. If you go book a room, you could probably post in there and say, hey, does anybody want to book, uh, book with me, etc.? 
Um, but we have a discounted rate there if you just, when you call the hotel, just use that uh, discount code Improve Photography. Uh, a conference pass is only $349, uh, which is extremely reasonable. Uh, I'm not sure that we're going to make any profit. I just hope it's not a loss on this conference. Uh, but it's going to be so much fun. Uh, so much fun. We, uh, I was looking at the sessions the other day, and we have some cool stuff coming up. Uh, you know, we have Greg Benz, who's the maker of Lumenzia. Like, he's the guy who made the software for lumino luminosity masking. Josh Corrigan, you know him from the podcast. He's a uh, professional aerial and architectural photography. He's going to be bringing along some drones for us. Uh, Sandy's talking about uh, commercial and product photography. Larissa's talking about uh, shooting kids. Michael Binsky is an amazing wedding photographer and a storm chaser. I just in, uh, interviewed him on the Tripod podcast a couple weeks ago. Of course, Nick Page. You all love Nick. Uh, Connor Hibbs is going to be there talking about um, uh, photography and retouching. Cecilia and Dale Rogers are coming all the way from Australia to come uh, to talk to us about uh, conservation and landscape photography. Trevor Daly is the marketing director at MagMod and a professional portrait photographer. He's uh, going to be there. Jeff Harmon from the Photo Taco podcast talking about Lightroom. Uh, Erica Kay, I'm going to be there, of course. Uh, we really have a really cool uh, group of people coming to speak. Um, and some uh, some neat presentations, some some cool things that, that just kind of the things that uh, don't really fit into a podcast. You can't really learn um, just online. And so it, uh, we'd love to do this kind of event. Uh, one thing that we're going to do different at the Improved Photography Retreat is that every single session, no exceptions, has to be hands-on. You know, if we're talking about macro photography, we're going to have setups all around the room that you can actually go do the macro photography. Uh, if we're talking about wedding photography, we're going to have a model there. You know, if we're uh, talking about drones, it's not going to be in a classroom. We're going to get out and we're going to go fly some drones. Uh, we rented out three photography studios where we can bring in cars and do uh, stylized wedding wedding photography shoots out in the desert uh, and bring in tons of models. We have the 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 three photography studios all through the night. So, you know, if you're a night owl, you want to go shoot at two o'clock in the morning, somebody's going to be there and we're, we're going to go shoot. We're going to go do night photography out in the desert with the, I've been informed how to say this, Sawaro. There's no G. It's Sawaro cactus. Uh, cacti, because there's more than one. See, I'm figuring this out, Jana. Uh, she sent me an email on this one. Um, anyway, it's going to be a, a really fun event. I'm looking forward to it. We've never done anything uh, as big as this uh, conference for improved photography. I can promise you there are going to be some things that I haven't done a perfect job organizing uh, and there are going to be mistakes my first time doing it. But I can also promise you that you will go home with a, like a full portfolio's worth of images and you're going to learn a ton of new things and get inspired and meet up with the improved photography community. You're going to have opportunities to get portfolio reviews from the speakers uh, with only 140 people and uh uh, right now, 14 speakers, and I think we're going to be adding some. Uh, it's going to be a small number of attendees to uh, two speakers, and so that you can uh, network and and actually get the you know personal attention and and uh, and meet up with people. So uh, I'm excited about it. Go check it out at improvephotographyretreat.com. Thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Really appreciate your support. And Sandy and Larissa, I appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast with me. It was fun talking with you guys. And uh, we'll see you in another seven days. Thank you. Bye. Bye.